0: Behold, I lay in Zion a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation Build your life upon this stone. Align your life upon this stone. For he who builds upon this stone will not go whoosh when the storm comes. This stone will become the suffering servant who will die for your sins and mine. Now the stone that Isaiah spoke of, the suffering servant, came in the form of Jesus, the God-man in the first century. He was a man who spoke with authority and often spoke the very words of Isaiah while speaking in parables. Once Jesus told this story. There was a vineyard owner who decided to plant a new vineyard. Oh, he dug the vineyard himself. He dug out a place for, for a wine vat. And then he built a tower. And then he leased his vineyard to the vine dressers. He went off to a far off country. When the time came for the harvest, he sent one of his servants to the vine dressers to get a piece of the fruit and profit of his vineyard. And they treated him shamelessly. They left that servant empty handed. The vineyard owner sent another servant. This one, they picked up stones and wounded his head. The vineyard owner sent servant after servant after servant after servant. The vine dressers persecuted many and killed others. The vineyard owner said, I know. I will send my son. They will respect my son. When his son came through the vineyard and the vine dressers saw him, they said, The heir! If we kill the heir, we will have all the inheritance. And he killed the vineyard owner's son. What will the owner do? I tell you, he will come and destroy the vine dressers, and he will give that vineyard to someone else. But, but Do you remember what the scriptures say? The stone that the builders rejected will become the chief cornerstone. For this is the Lord's doing, and it is a marvelous work. Now the servants Jesus spoke of who were persecuted and killed were the prophets, including the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah who spent his days warning and wooing the people of the storm coming, the incoming danger of the Assyrian Empire. Woe unto you who wear the crown of pride, you drunkards of Ephraim. Your glory will be like that of a fading flower. For the mighty and strong one comes in a tempest, a tempest of hail, a destroying storm, a flood. He is who will bring you down to earth by his arm. You who wear the crown of pride. You drunkards of Ephraim. Your glory will be like a fading flower. You're so drunk with other gods, you cannot delay (laughs) gratification. You cannot walk straight, you cannot see straight, and you cannot hear correctly. When the fruit appears on the vine, you devour it while it is still in your hand. But in that day when the Lord of hosts appears with a crown of glory and the diadem of beauty that he offers to a remnant, a remnant of Israel, a great reward, to those who wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord, wait on his reward, for the spirit of judgment ascends to he who sits on the throne. But Lord, give you strength if you turn back from the gate on the day of battle. For you have erred with wine, you have lost your way with intoxicating drink. And to you, priests, and you prophets you have erred in your vision you have lost your way stumbling in your judgments your, your tables your tables are filled with vomit and no place is clean Oh arrogant Isaiah, who thinks he can speak to us from on high, spoon-feeding us like we are babes drinking from our mother's breasts. Oh Isaiah with his line by line, precept by precept, here a little, there a little. We will not be spoon-fed by you. We will not be lectured by you. You will not be lectured by me try being lectured by the stuttering tongue of the Assyrians. Let us review what the Lord has said. This is rest for the weary. Here is where you find refreshment. But you will not hear the word of the lord you are fallen you are broken you are snared and you are trapped here here the word of the Lord, you scornful men of Jerusalem, you kings of Israel, you think you are safe because you have made an allegiance with Egypt, an alliance with G- Mot, the god of the underworld? No, no, you have made an allegiance with death. You have made an alliance with hell itself. And when the storm comes, and when the tempest comes, it will reveal your den of lies, your hidden refuge. You think you can hide from the hail under a twig, under a mere leaf? No, no, you have made your bed, and you will lie down in it. But your bed, the bed you have made for yourself, is too small. You don't fit on your bed. You cannot stretch out. And your security blanket, the blanket is too narrow. It is too narrow to cover you in the storm. The Lord, the Lord is going to do a strange thing. The Lord is going to do An awesome thing when the storm comes. So behold, I lie lay in Zion a stone for a foundation. a tried stone, a precious cornerstone. A sure foundation. Build your life upon this stone. Align your life to this stone. And if you do, when the storm comes, you will not go whoosh! Isaiah's warnings came true. The Assyrians and the Babylonians came and wiped out Judah and Israel. But his other predictions came true as well. That this stone would come years later in the form of a suffering servant. He predicted his death and his resurrection. It was at the day of Pentecost, after Jesus died and God raised him from the dead, that one of his followers, a disciple named Jesus, stood again before Jerusalem and said these words O men of Israel! O oh, people of Jerusalem, this, this Jesus of Nazareth, whom you have crucified, God has raised from the dead, and there is no other name. In heaven or below the earth by which you may be saved. Do you remember what the scripture said? The stone that the builders rejected has become God's chief cornerstone. Believe in that stone. Build your life upon that stone. Find salvation
1: in God's rejected stone. You know, as we've been going through the book of Isaiah, talking about the comforter that he is promising that will come, as we've woven all of these promises together, the cornerstone, that tried stone, that sure foundation, becomes one of the most beloved titles for Christ throughout the entire New Testament. As, as Chad dramatized right at the end, it is Peter who in his letters, in his speeches, in the book of Acts in First and 2 Peter, he is constantly referring back to that idea that Jesus, his friend, who he walked with for years, his Savior, is also his cornerstone. Paul repeats it to show how the people of Israel in Jesus' day were looking for some other foundation that if they could just live up to the law that they had had for all these centuries and they knew their ancestors in Isaiah's time had failed, but surely they could do it. And Paul warns them, that's the wrong foundation. The cornerstone is meant to be not only the firm foundation but it's also used to align the rest of the building vertically, horizontally, that we are aligned to the cornerstone. That's why in chapter 28, verse 16 really becomes the key verse of the entire chapter. With all of the warnings, all of the the caution that he gives them to taking comfort in the things of the world, verse 16 is their highlight. It says, Therefore thus says the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation. A tried stone, right? It's been tested and it is still solid. It is a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Twice now, he's called it a foundation in one verse. And he says that whoever believes will not act hastily. Now I don't know if you noticed this as as Chad was acting that part out, but he didn't use the word hastily. He said whoever believes will not go whoosh. Did you catch that? Well, here's why. That word hastily, in the original Hebrew, is pronounced hosh, hosh, that is a Hebrew word. It's onomatopetic, which if you can remember from your grammar days, onomatopoeia is when the word sounds like what it means. So we have a bunch of those in English, ding dong, It sounds like ding dong, right? Buzz, sounds like buzz, zip, sounds like when you zip, a zipper. Right, that's onomatopoeia. The word sounds like what it means. Well, that is all over the Hebrew language. And part of that is because when you go way back to the earliest days of this language, not a lot of it's written down. And even if it is, not a lot of people have the ability to write it or read it. So onomatopoeia, making it sound like what it means, helps them remember what God has said. Hosh is a word that is meant to sound like the rush of a whirlwind. The swirl of the storm. And you can picture that as you hear, you know, when you go out on these days where the wind is just blasting past you and the sound that it makes in your ears. And so what he's actually saying here is that when you have your confidence in this cornerstone, when you believe on the sure foundation that is Jesus Christ, you don't act like you are all inside. Even when the storm is swirling around you, the storm out there does not affect you in here. And I had a moment like that earlier this week. I don't know if you ever just feel like this, but you know, I wake up early and I'm trying to pray and I'm trying to read my Bible, but I'm distracted by this thing and I'm distracted by that thing. I got four different things for each of my four different kids that I'm worried about. A uh, Medical procedure for a family member that I love. And with all of this stuff going on, isn't it sweet how sometimes that extra little thought comes in, and you're probably failing at your job, and you're probably failing as a dad, and you're probably failing as a husband, and like, and, and you know, totally unprompted, it's just like, my body took a deep breath. <sighs> yeah, that's it. That moment when you get home after a long day that you feel like you were charging as hard as you could, and you don't know if you made any progress, and you're so tense, you don't even realize it, and just... <sighs> Yeah, starting to act hastily. And what happens to human beings, this is not just me, is that when we start to feel stressed, when we start to feel anxious, when we start to get busier and busier and busier and that whirlwind starts swirling inside us, we actually start to speed up. We start to try to do even more to try to grab all these loose pieces, put them back in control. And that's when we start to make mistakes. That's when we start to feel that we can't control those things because we've been trusting something else as our sure foundation. But he's telling you, when Christ, when the cornerstone is your sure foundation, you don't act like the storm is swirling in you. You won't go whoosh because the storm never affects this stone. See, that's the message that the people around Isaiah were missing. Right When they start to mock him, this was one of the most (laughs) helpful things for me in this passage, because they start picking on Isaiah, who's teaching them God's word. He's trying to warn them, you know, here's the law you haven't lived up to. Here's why you need a cornerstone. Here's how you've been drunk with wine and, and giving in to the things of the world. Guys, you have to pay attention. And their response is, oh my goodness, line by line and precept by precept, like every single law is so important. Keep your Bible to yourself, Isaiah. And so it's actually later in the passage that Isaiah takes those same words, speaks it back to them, and says, hey, the word of the Lord was to them precept upon precept. Precept upon precept. Like, they think that I'm just repeating myself ad nauseum for no reason, but it's important, line upon line, line upon line. Here a little, there a little, but because they treated it that way, It says that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and caught. Instead of loving every word, they mocked every word. Instead of loving every line, they teased every line. And so they would trip and stumble over it and be broken in captivity. But he presents this other option, which is therefore hear the word of the Lord. Could you imagine how different their lives, their families, their history might have been If instead they said, oh, here comes Isaiah. Ooh, I bet he's going to go line by line today. I wonder what's in there. Because they miss things like the cornerstone. right? That's the kind of stuff you miss when you don't go line by line. And so part of what Isaiah is challenging us, and I think God is too, is to build your faith line by line. Now, if you've spent any time at Horizon, any time in this equipping service, you know Line by line, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, through God's Word. That is like one of the most major core values that we have. And part of that is because if you don't go line by line, you miss some of these critical moments. And if you try to only pull out the critical moment, then you miss the context for why it's so critical. And so part of what we really hope that we're doing as a church, as a community, is not just kind of like the... You know, the bite-sized devotional that you get in your inbox or like the the word of the day that you hear on the radio. Like those are good reminders. But my faith needs to be more than that. My love of God's word needs to be deeper than that. So we go verse by verse and line by line to understand the full counsel of God. Because I don't don't know if you think about this, but I just think about this all the time. Like my Bible is this big. That's not that big. Like my daughter just finished Lord of the Rings. That's like this big. War and Peace is about this big, (laughs) right? Like, the Bible's this big. And it tells you that just from Jesus' life, if they wrote everything he'd done, all the books in the world couldn't contain it. That tells me that these pages, these lines, they're curated just for you. Chosen because these are the words and the lines and the precepts that God wants us to remember. And so at Horizon, I, I hope that you know this, we don't just gather on Sunday morning to worship. We absolutely do. We don't just gather so you can hear deep thoughts with Drew or challenging thoughts with Chad or what would it be for Ryan? I'll have to come up with that one. If you got one, you let me know. Right? But it's, it's not just so you can hear what I think that the Bible says or means. Really, a huge part of this equipping service is equipping you to get into your Bible and get to know your God better as you go out to serve him in this world, as you go out to love him in your life. And so that's why, you know, group studies that we do and tools that we put together and and even this service are meant to build you up line by line. In fact, even on our app, you'll see that there's a section on there called book by book where we track all of the series that we've done through this equipping series so that as you're reading Genesis, as you're reading Leviticus, who's going to go back and read Leviticus again? (laughs) Yeah, we did that line by line to help you as you're going through it make sense of why is God saying this to me? Because the, the people that Isaiah was talking to in this passage, they threw out the lines, they threw out the precepts, they missed what God was saying, and honestly, they suffered for it. He was offering them forgiveness and mercy and grace, and they rejected the cornerstone. Now, give yourself some credit. You're already in a better place than that. You're sitting here this morning <laughs> trying to learn more about God and about God's Word. And so I just have a, a ton of respect for you because guess what? There are a lot of people on planet Earth that do not bother, but you're bothering, you care. And that's good because his word does not come back void. As you go through it line by line, even the confusing parts, God is going to speak to you. He's going to help you grow. In fact, I had a really fun example of that just a couple weeks ago. One of the cool things I get to do here at Horizon is spend time with guys in in study groups just going through God's word. And uh, my buddy Scott, we've been in a study for about, about a year, I think, now together. And we've been part of a group that's just doing Isaiah together. So a couple weeks ago, you know, the guys are sitting around some tables. We're, we're talking through Isaiah 11 and 12 and just trying to figure out how do we take what we heard Sunday morning, really, really soak it in, really apply that to our lives. And uh, Scott came in about 15 minutes late and you could tell it was like he rushed here as quick as he could. He was still wearing his clothes from work and it's like, well, you know, hey, I'm glad he made it. So we're just we're doing our thing. We're having our discussion. He's he's listening, but he's not saying much. And then there was a moment where, where it was like, you know, you feel that. It's like you'd see his facial expression change and come to the front of the chair. Like, what did you just say? So what happened was we were in Isaiah eleven two. 2. One line a few weeks ago that talks about the Holy Spirit. And we were talking about what does it mean that the same Holy Spirit promised for the Messiah is promised to you and I? Literally to dwell in us and give us the God-sized power we need to go through our daily life. So as we were talking about that and how to pray about that, and there was a a psalm that connected that we mentioned, it was like something clicked for Scott. And and the rest of the evening he was talking about, that's what I'm looking for, that's what I need, that's what I want. And he sent me an email later to just tell me, uh, for the last few months he's been in a power struggle at work with his partners. And trying to figure out like is it time for me to move on can we reconcile this thing what does this look like as i've been at the same company for 18 years like this is a big decision this is a big deal and he said if he was honest he's been angry he's been fearful he's been stressed he's been anxious and ultimately he's like i realized what i wanted is vengeance i want to prove that i'm right and they're wrong he said sitting there that night talking about the Holy Spirit, I've used that line before. <laughs> right? You talk about line by line. He's like, I know that line. The fruits of the Spirit. It's like it hit me like a ton of bricks and I instantly felt a calm come over me. Right? Within that same night, I suddenly had a clarity and a sense that I had been resting on protecting myself or getting my vengeance or whatever it was. And it was affecting me. It was affecting my family. It was affecting my work. And in that moment, I realized I have to rely on the Holy Spirit, not on myself. See, the reason I share that, what I love about that story is because it took one line. One verse. Because he wrote me that email that night, which means nothing in the circumstances had changed. Nothing in the circumstances had changed. Out there, everything was still whoosh. But in here... For Scott, everything had calmed down. Because he focused again on the God who is his foundation. Guys, that is the literal promise being made by this verse. Right? That is not like just kind of a warm and fuzzy, like doesn't really work, but it's nice to think about those things, right? No, he's saying that when you trust in me, The whirlwind around you does not have to become a whirlwind in you. This is a sure foundation. And so I think what Scott discovered is for us too, that that sometimes it just takes one line to help you realign. And so we want to align our lives to the cornerstone. Right? When they would build that building, this first stone, that cornerstone becomes the foundation, but it also lets you measure everything vertically and horizontally from that stone to make sure it all stays the way it needs to be. Guys, that's who Jesus Christ is for us. Like the word Christian means little Christ. It means to be Christ-like. When we call ourselves Christ followers, it's because I'm admitting, hey, I don't really know how life should go. I don't even know what today holds, let alone tomorrow. So I'm going to follow his lead. How would Christ behave in this situation? How would Christ love this person? How would Christ obey? How would Christ resist temptation? I want to be like Christ. I want to align my life vertically with other people, horizontally with God, based on what Jesus says. Not the comforts or the lusts or the culture of this world. They can seem like they're entertaining... They can seem like they feel good. They can feel like they're comforting. Until that whirlwind starts blowing through. Until that storm comes up and then everything in life is shaken. But the cornerstone is never shaken. That as everything else in the world is rattling, the cornerstone stays firm. So look at that key verse again from verse 16. And picture Jesus as you hear this. Therefore, thus says the Lord God Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. And whoever believes will not act hastily, will not go. The way that the New Testament most often picks this up is to say that whoever believes in him, to realize that the cornerstone is not just a thing. It's a person. It's Jesus Christ. And so my prayer for myself and my prayer for you is that we would be those who believe on Christ as your sure foundation. I don't know where you might need that today. I don't know what's going on in your family, I don't know what's going on at work, I don't know what the holidays, you know, drum up for you. I don't know where you've been tempted and where you've been giving in. I don't know where you've seen the circumstances around you begin to shake in the wind and maybe you feel like you jumped off the cornerstone and started grabbing at things trying to pull it together and you're out of breath and your heart rate is going up. Believe on Christ as your foundation. Can I pray for you that way right now? Lord God, Holy One of Israel, Lord of hosts who fights our battle, thank you for being our cornerstone. Thank you for being our foundation. Lord, thank you. Thanks for being mine on Tuesday morning this week. That when the whirlwind starts to go inside me, I remember that you are as firm as you ever were, as you are right now, and as you always will be. So God, I just pray that over my friends, over my brothers and sisters in Christ here today. I pray that over any soul in this room or watching from wherever they are, Lord, if they don't know that firmness, if they don't know that foundation, Lord, if they don't know you, that you would show them who you are, that they might find that belief in you. Keeps them stable no matter what else is happening around them. Lord, we worship you for it. We thank you for it. And we love you for it. It is in your name that we pray. Amen.